Happy Tuesday, everyone. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. And my very special guest today is Blair Allen. Blair is the assistant public defender. She is director of, uh, what was it? Sorry. County Court. County. I forgot the Y on County. And I was like, director of Count Court? That didn't make any sense to me because I forgot the Y. Uh, director of County Court. And she's also a fellow Rotarian and friend of mine. So welcome, Blair. Thank you, Julie. I'm really glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> so before we get into uh, all of Blair's uh, goodies that she's going to share with us, because I think uh, one of the reasons why she's here, if not the main reason, is to kind of explain to us what the Public Defender's Office does and who they serve, because I had a lot of questions and I figured, you know, if I had questions, probably everyone else did as well. But before we get into that, we always have to talk about the upcoming events. And Blair and I are going to be together on Saturday at Spring Obsession in Munn Park, right? We cannot wait. There are going to be tons of plants, tons of fun people to hang out with, and lots of opportunities to glorify and beautify your garden. Yes, I'm very excited because uh, my my plants could use some TLC, so I, I need they need some new friends, <laughs> as do mine. <laughs> uh, but before Spring Obsession, we do have a fun activity coming up on Friday night, uh, March 10th, which is Festive Flicks. So it's uh, that's when we blow up a big giant. Um, blow up screen and watch a, a free movie on the Francis Langford Promenade. Have you done that before with I your kids? Haven't. How fun is that? It's a lot of fun. We only we only do it a few times a year uh, when we have a sponsor and our sponsor this time is Lakeland Moonwalk and the movie is Sing 2. So it's a kid-friendly movie. And adult-friendly. I love those movies. (laughs) So you just bring out a blanket. You bring your own uh, to-go. We want you to buy to-go from downtown businesses, of course. But uh, we can't force you to do that. And we don't inventory you when you get there. So uh, we honor system. Uh, go buy some food from downtown, bring your own uh, picnic baskets and blankets and chairs and just enjoy a beautiful evening overlooking the Francis Langford Promenade watching a free movie. So it's a lot of fun. And what time does that start on Friday? Uh, it starts at 7. The movie starts at 7, uh, but we'll obviously be down there earlier setting up and popping popcorn and selling concessions, so it's a lot of fun. So that is Friday night. Saturday is Spring Obsession, and I I hear, Blair, that you have um, moved up in the world of your volunteer service in Rotary this year from Spring Obsession last year, right? Now, although I loved working parking (laughs) last year, which was fun in that I could greet everyone who arrived at Lake Crago Park, Uh, this year they twisted my arm, and I am having to work the bubbles and beer tent. Yes, with so hard. with Jim Russell. So I'm sure that the two of us should probably be better supervised, but we're going to have a great time. And it's we'll see be how those fun. sales go. Oh, the, we're selling? Yeah. Oh, I didn't understand that part of it. <laughs> yes. We're oh, okay. Trying, it's to raise money for okay. the children. Thank you. <laughs> selling beer for the kids. That's yes. what Rotary's all about. Okay, so Spring Obsession, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Munn Park. In, of course, you know the farmer's market is along Kentucky, so there's going to be a lot of activity in downtown. Um, don't forget that you can park at the Summit Building. Uh, that's the newly built uh, parking garage and office building at the corner of Main Street and Massachusetts, uh, right on the lake. Uh, there's free parking there. There's tons of parking, and all the city lots are always open and free for parking uh, all day on weekends and after 5 p.m. during the week. 
So come on down and see us for Spring Obsession. And the farmer's market is going to be a beautiful weekend. Uh, it is uh, in Munn Park. It was like Crago last year. And you worked it. I didn't get to go last year. I was out of town for some reason. Um, or maybe that was the year before. Two years at Lake Crago that the Rotary Club moved it, but we're back in Munn Park. So hopefully folks will be excited about that. Which I'm really excited. It's centrally located. It's so accessible to everything. There's so many opportunities for people to visit the local businesses downtown as they drive their plants away. So we hope <laughs> to see a lot of people out this weekend. Yes. And um, so... Other than that, um, and we have lots of events, I just want to tell you very quickly, you'll hear about them next week, of course, but uh, it is St. Patrick's Day weekend next weekend. Uh, so Molly McHugh's and, and all of your favorite, you know, Paddy Wagon and Linksters and Swan Brewing and Descent and probably the joinery. All these places are going to have fun things to do on March 17th. Uh, but Molly's Street Party is March 18th on K South Kentucky Avenue. Uh, March 24th is our Friday Night Live in Munn Park. So it'll be a live band in Munn Park on the March 24th. And March 25th is our Spring Night Market, which is really a makeup market since we didn't have the Valentine Night Market. We didn't plan on having a Spring Night Market, but we canceled Valentine Night Market because of the crazy threat of wind and rain, which didn't really manifest itself. <sighs> and so now this is a makeup on March 25th. So. More details about those to come. You can see everything that we're doing on our website, downtownlkld.com. Okay. Now that the commercial for downtown is over, it's all about Blair. <laughs> so, Blair, um, you are a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Yes. Yes, I Let's am. Let's start with that. I am. Uh, my dad is also a lawyer, Philip Allen. He practices law at Pearson and Myers in downtown Lakeland. Um, there's always a connection downtown mm -hmm, Lakeland around course. Julie. Yes, yes. Uh, and I have been with the public defender's office since 2007. Um, I was a prosecutor for a year before that, uh, also in Bartow. And I just realized that my true uh, passion is helping out the indigent who are charged with crimes and helping them through what is usually the most traumatic experience mm -hmm. in their lives. So you... When you came out of law school, you wanted to do what? I wanted to be a prosecutor. Okay. Yes. Um, and I never thought I was going to be in a trial practice. I thought that I was going to primarily focus on transactional work like mm -hmm. my father does. Mm -hmm. uh, but I took a trial practice class my last year of law school, and I loved it. And mm -hmm. so I knew I wanted to be in the courtroom. Um, it was also a really good time to get a job with the state. Um, there are a lot of great benefits to working with the state right out of law school in that you get immediate trial and courtroom experience, whereas <laughs> if you go with a private firm, right. you're going to be seeing the back office of that firm for probably the first two or three years. Right. So, so they throw you into the deep end they, immediately. They mm -hmm. do. They do. And they see what happens, <laughs> which is a great learning experience. Right. Um, so I did that for a year. And I quickly realized that my, my true gift and passion was in having clients mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, fighting the government. Uh, mm -hmm. That's something I've always kind of enjoyed uh, being the, <laughs> I'm, the David I'm, and the David versus Goliath. I'm the government. I know. That's why we're so good <laughs> together, Julie, because <laughs> it never stops a good debate between the two of that's us. True. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I do enjoy working at the public defender's office and, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, our clients are people who struggle with, uh, mental illness, mm -hmm. substance abuse, um, trauma. Uh, it wasn't that they embarked on a life of crime right. and just decided to wind up in my office one day. Right. 
Uh, so, so that's what we try to do. No Lex Luthers. No, not yet, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I served in almost every aspect of the office. So I would love for the community to know a little bit more about what it is that we do and how we actually play a critical role within our legal system. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I wanted you on the show, because I know we've had conversations about, you know, just social issues that have come up in our community. And and I always want an opportunity to learn and hear someone else's perspective. And I know you will give it to me. Conversations, (laughs) debates, arguments. It's all semantics. (laughs) Uh, it's good times, though. All right. So um, assistant public defender and director of county court. So quickly tell us what that is before we have to go to break and then we'll deep dive into it when we get back. Sure. So we have one elected public defender for the 10th Circuit, which is comprised of Polk Highlands and Hardy Counties. Every attorney who works for that elected public defender is known as an assistant public defender. Uh, I am also the director of county court, which means I supervise and train or direct our new lawyers who are new to the office, who are handling our misdemeanor clients, those clients who are charged with committing a crime that is punishable by up to a year in the county jail. Okay. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a deep dive. So get your pencils ready because there's going to be a quiz at the end on what the Public Defender's Office does with Blair Allen. Thank you. And we're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. Today, my guest is Blair Allen, Assistant Public Defender and Director of County Court. Uh, Blair is also a fellow Rotarian, and she will be working hard volunteering this Saturday at Spring Obsession, Downtown Lakeland, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'll just plug that every time, just because. Because <laughs> we're we're vegetarians, so if you like if you like beer and uh, and mimosas, we uh, that is a new addition to Spring of Session this year. We've never ever had uh, beer and mimosas at Spring of Sessions at Spring of Session event, so we just thought, what the heck? Like, I'm really, it can't hurt, right? I, I really feel like that's only going to help plant sales. <laughs> I think you so. need to start that about an hour before you start selling the plants, right? Yes. yes, and and we and we did mimosas specifically because it's a breakfast drink. Are you saying beer is not a breakfast drink, Julie? <laughs> well, it does have barley and hops in it. You know, it's kind of like a pancake. It is. A it little is. bit. Yeah. It's like a Bavarian breakfast drink. Right. Okay. Right. All right. Cool. Yeah. It's all on how you that. sell it. <laughs> well, you're the bear sale, so yes. we'll see how you use that. All right. So back with Blair. Blair's here for a very serious reason because we need to be better educated about what the public defender's office does. And I am one of those people. So um, that needs to be better educated. So I figured what I don't know, you you guys out there probably also don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize what it is we actually do. We hear a lot in the community about what the state attorney's office does, what prosecutors do. Mm-hmm. People understand that a lot more. Uh, the public defender's office is actually a fairly newly created system in mm. the state of Florida. Uh, it was founded in 1963 with the landmark case of Gideon versus Wainwright. Uh, for your history buffs mm-hmm. who are interested, uh, Gideon was um, kind of a ne'er-do-well uh, person up in the panhandle, and he was charged with breaking into a pool hall and stealing money. Mm. 
in Florida at the time, that was considered a third-degree felony punished by up to five years in prison. And back then, the only people that were entitled to have a court-appointed lawyer were um, those who were charged with the capital crime. Uh, well, he was not charged with the capital crime. He was charged with the third-degree felony, so he was unable to afford a private attorney, and the court refused to give him one. Mm. Uh, he asked for one. He was denied an attorney. And he represented himself at trial, which I'm sure you can imagine a man with about a sixth grade education right. level, what happened right. uh, against a trained prosecutor. So he was convicted and sentenced to five years in Florida State Prison. Mm. While he was there, he wrote the Florida Supreme Court uh, himself and wow. said why he thought he was entitled to an attorney under the Sixth Amendment to our Constitution. And the Florida Supreme Court uh, rejected his appeal mm. and said he wasn't. So then he hand wrote a petition to the United States Supreme Court mm. and the U S Supreme Court agreed with him and wow. said he should have had an attorney and they reversed the decision, uh, where of his conviction and remanded the case back to the trial court for him to be appointed an attorney. He was, he was appointed a very good attorney who then, uh, represented him at trial and uh, the jury acquitted him, found him not guilty. And so he was released from wow. prison. And that was the creation of the Public Defender's Office in the state of Florida. So other states had it before us? Yes. And, and other states have different types of systems, even okay. now. Mm. Uh, some states have a system whereby private attorneys get appointed by mm. the court, uh, which is what Florida had. Um, uh, Florida... Other states just have very different systems yeah. than, than we do. Mm. But um, really, the Public Defender's Office uh, is a wonderful system for being able to uh, have skilled attorneys who only handle criminal defense mm -hmm. and who are in court every day right. and handling hundreds of cases and, uh, and generally have years of experience. Whereas uh, an attorney who, let's say, doesn't handle uh, criminal work but gets court appointed to handle a case, they may not be as skilled or adept at handling those mm, cases. That's a very good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the uh, in our circuit, Polk Collins and Hardy County, mm -hmm. uh, we have only had five elected public defenders since 1963. Um, it is uh, our, we had one public defender who was in office for 28 years, wow. uh, Marion Mormon, who hired me. Mm. Um, and then our current public defender, Rex Demig, has been in office since 2012. Wow. I didn't realize that. So there's no there's no term limits on that position then? No. And there probably shouldn't be. There's a whole other debate about term limits versus not. But this is a position that, you know. It is such a yeah. niche position. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have been a member of the bar uh, for a certain number of years, at least five years. Um, you really need to have experience with managing an office, working within our office. Uh, it also has, or our elected has a unique position of having to also uh, ask for funds from Tallahassee because mm. we do get funded by the legislature. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a certain amount of lobbying that goes on. Mm. Um, but as a frontline attorney, a, a trial attorney, uh, we are the attorneys that are handling um, really 60% of the trials that uh, that get tried in the Polk, Highlands, and Hardy County courthouses. Wow. Mm -hmm. So every type of offense if you don't have the money for an attorney, they can come to the public defender's office and, and get representation. Yes. We get appointed by the court for people who meet the 
um, the the guidelines, which is 200% or less of the federal poverty threshold. Okay. Um, and for any crime that is punishable by jail time. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about your low-level trespass, uh, second-degree misdemeanor punished by 60 days, all the way up to uh, capital murder where someone mm. uh, is facing the death penalty. We handle every type of case. Wow. Uh, we have specialized divisions within our office. We have attorneys that will handle only misdemeanor crimes, which I talked about earlier. Those right. are really our newer attorneys. Uh, we have our felony attorneys who handle crimes that range from anything punishable by a year and a day in prison up to life in prison. We have a capital homicide division that only handles cases where the death penalty is being sought. And then we have a juvenile division. Um, juvenile and capital homicide are specialty divisions. Mm. We consider those divisions to require extra training, extra mm. expertise, a certain type of personality time because, um, you know, capital crimes, that's obvious. But also with juveniles, uh, we try to help th- those children. Mm-hmm. And that's what they are. They're children. Right. And if we can prevent them from winding up in our adult system, then we are helping them. So we have... Uh, very experienced and trained lawyers in our juvenile division as well. So what do you think is the biggest misconception about the public defender's office? That we just defend criminals. That is not (laughs) what we do. And if I can leave anyone with uh, uh, a better answer to that question after this radio program, I would like Mm -hmm. to. Um, That's the question I get at every cocktail party I've ever been at. How do you defend all those guilty people? And I tell them that is actually... (laughs) Not really what we do. We, number one, we do help people. Mm -hmm. And number two, we defend the Constitution. Do you like the ability to carry a (laughs) firearm? Mm -hmm. Do you want the government to tell you what to do each and everything? Well, Mm -hmm. maybe Julie does, but I don't. (laughs) And those are things. Low blow, Blair. (laughs) This is a debate. Come on, Julie. Oh, oh, we'll get there. I know. I'm scared. (laughs) Um, but, But we... Uh, we defend the Constitution and everything that we do. We do a lot of litigation with motions to suppress, which is arguing that something that the government did was illegal mm-hmm. and and therefore um, it protects all of us, not just the person that I'm standing beside in court. Uh, we literally change the law every day by arguing mm-hmm. our clients' cases in front of a trial judge mm-hmm. or a jury. Well... I don't think the government should be able to tell you what to do all the time. I don't believe that. Blair. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I, I think that's interesting. I never thought of it in that in those terms. I I, I thought of it in very much like you take it, you know, you're working for this client, this client, you know, you, you deal with that case and then you move on, but didn't really understand that there the ramifications, you know, are are deeper and, and more longstanding than just that particular case for that particular person. So very interesting. You've already enlightened me, Blair. I knew you would. Well, we have to take a quick break, but we'll come back and hear some more, uh, maybe some stories from Blair when we return. Stick with us.
And we're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. And with me today is Blair Allen, Assistant Public Defender and Director of County Court. And we are just learning. We are just learning today all about uh, what the Public Defender's Office does. And as Blair said, sort of at some point that I think people know a lot about what prosecutors do and state attorneys. and uh, But the Public Defender side is a little more shrouded in mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to us about some of the things that you litigate. So when we start thinking about the Constitution and how it plays out in our daily lives, um, we start thinking about the Fourth Amendment, your right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, what does that look like, mm-hmm. practically speaking? Um, when the Constitution was drafted, the drafters never thought and never could think about the possibility of us having pocket computers that we walk around with every day, our cell phone devices. And one of the, the forefront issues that we are dealing with right now in our court system is what constitutes an unreasonable search of your cell phone. Mm. Uh, when can law enforcement search your cell phone and when can they not when can law enforcement think about um, using what are called geofence warrants? Mm, um, yes. Yes. People are familiar with that. Yes. If you picture like an invisible fence um, and the government wants to see what devices breach that invisible fence. Mm-hmm. And there have been cases where people have been wrongfully charged uh, based on a geofence warrant. Um, and uh, what does that look like? How do we litigate that in court? Is that reasonable that the police should be able to do that and be able to get all that information from Google or another provider? Um, do you want them to have all of your information? Right. Um, thinking about commercial data brokers now mm-hmm. that we see, you know, being able to purchase all this information um, from one of these companies or one of these brokerage companies. Thinking about facial recognition software and the mm. inherent dangers in uh, racial profiling, mm-hmm. the inherent dangers in misidentification, um, specifically of uh, people of our communities of color. Um, thinking about um, uh, pen, pen trace, um, thinking about if pen register cases, if mm-hmm. you have uh, the police using what amounts to like a fake cell phone tower mm-hmm. and seeing what, what uh, cell phones ping off of that. We now are seeing a lot of electronic data in our cases between um, uh, not just Facebook, but also Snapchat, oh yeah, Instagram, various uh, sites that you know we never saw ten years ago, right. and of course also um, the cell phone location data and cell phone tracing, which we you know I think I tried a case back in 2012 where we had that. Uh, become a feature of the trial, but but now even more so because back then it was very rare. You would see it in murder cases, mm-hmm. armed robbery cases, but now we're really seeing it in um, in, in in our uh, line felony cases, for lack of a better term, um, our non um, non homicide cases. So, do you think that we get it? You know, we collectively, I guess, as society, as we're, as we're litigating these cases, do you think we get that kind of in-depth um, information is getting it right more often than wrong? Or And I know anytime you get it wrong is not OK. It's not because we're not statistics. We're humans. 
and you put somebody wrongfully in jail, doesn't matter how many criminals you've put in jail, that person's still wrongfully jailed. But do you think we get it right more often than wrong? That would be a good question to ask Brian Haas, the elected state attorney, uh, because I only see a small portion Mm. of it. I don't see that complete picture. Uh, I would be curious about that. Uh, What I will say is I agree with you that even one wrongful uh, conviction is Mm -hmm. too many. I mean, Florida leads the nation in exonerations off of death row with 30 people being exonerated off of death row. Um, that is not a statistic that I would like to tell people no, about from Florida. No, that's um, not something to be proud of. It isn't. It really isn't. Um, those are, you know, lives that are ruined. And also you have to, uh, including the victims' families. Right. Um, because they don't experience closure. Right. So um, it's, it, I, I don't know about that. Uh, what I will say is now particularly with the police departments getting body-worn cameras mm-hmm. and us now getting that footage uh, that's very helpful in a case. You know, I think that there's for you, this, it's helpful it, for you. It is. Okay. It should be helpful for everybody. It should. I think yes. There's a misperception that criminal defense attorneys or public defenders, we don't want physical evidence. We mm-hmm. don't want a video. We don't want photos. Please give me a video right. of the encounter that happened. <laughs> right. Because that's safer for everybody involved Correct. to yeah. have the, that um, that visual mm-hmm. for the jury to be able to see and for me be able to sit down with my client and show my client and talk mm-hmm. to my client about Um, So, but that brings with it now a whole ream of evidence that we just have never had to go through. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out in our court system when we have 18, 20 different clips of an incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, you, you see the bystander self. Right. I was about to too. say, when you talked about the number of clips, you've got 10 people recording it from 10 different angles. You have mm-hmm. ring doorbell cameras. Mm-hmm. You have multiple people. Exactly. It is just an area of the law that, uh, and defense work that we've never seen mm-hmm. before. Um, I thought that when we returned from COVID, I would say, well, well, that was crazy, but now let's get back to the practice of law. But now we're seeing this new practice of law. Mm. Um, and, and and two, you know, now there's video editing capabilities, right. photo editing capabilities. And anyone can do it because they all have it on their phones. The new phones yeah. have all this software. So it's really a crazy time. You can erase somebody from the back of a photo. Is that what you're doing to me in all the rotary <laughs> photos? Did you Did you pick up on that? <laughs> But isn't that's we I have I don't have a phone that can do that and if my because it's I have an older phone but I can't even imagine you know you have a picture of you and on the beach and there's like some photo bomber behind you and you just oh erase them and what does that mean and I mean I'm sure forensically they can figure out that it's been edited but what a pain right exactly <laughs> I mean it just it's a whole nother layer right. of work to do an investigative work right. both for the state and mm-hmm. for us. Um, so it's it's a really interesting time, an exciting time to be in defense work. I am passionate uh, tenfold with what I do. I wake up every day excited mm-hmm. to go to work and excited to see what comes across my desk at the public defender's office. Uh, we work in a mid-sized public defender's office. Uh, there are 20 different elected public defenders throughout the state of Florida, each of which has um, their own office and branch offices. <clears throat> and so... Uh, in Bartow, which is our main office, we have about 45 different trial attorneys. Uh, we have a support staff of 
roughly about 60 people. Uh, we also have branch offices in Wachula and Sebring, Lakeland, and Winter Haven. Uh, and we also do uh, appellate work, which I can talk about later as okay. well. Um, so we do have about 150 people in our office. So it's a really good size. It's uh, kind What's... of a dysfunctional family. <laughs> That's what we always like to refer to us to. Right. What's the case size for you? And has that grown pre-COVID for each of you guys that are assistant? How many assistant public defenders are there? Uh, roughly about 45 okay. um, tr in the trial division, okay. uh, not in the appellate division. Um, our current caseloads in our felony division, I ran these this morning, range anywhere from 90 to 155 cases per attorney. Wow. In juvenile, about 150 cases per attorney. And in misdemeanor, anywhere from 85 to 170 cases per attorney. Wow. And is that a year? Is that at That's any given moment in time? At any given moment in time. Right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So you are managing a high caseload, but right. I really kind of equate it to a teacher in school. Mm -hmm. They might have seven classes or six classes, mm -hmm. and they have about 120 students. Right. It's kind of the same thing, um, you know. But that's a year. That is a year. Yes. <laughs> Yours is worse. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you take a break. <laughs> we'll dry those tears. And when we come back, we'll finish up our conversation with Blair Allen, Assistant Public Defender. Number one. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, or if you're just joining us, this is Downtown Dish. I'm Julie Townsend. My guest today is Blair Allen, Assistant Public Defender and Director of County Court. And we are just having a real heart-to-heart -heart conversation about what it's like uh, to be an Assistant Public Defender and what public defenders uh, do for our community, not just for their individual clients, but how they actually sh shape law uh, for the rest of us. So thank you, Blair, for all that you do. You're very welcome, Julie. I appreciate it. I appreciate you in that position because I know that you have uh, the heart for it and um, the brains for it. And uh, it can't be easy because that's a, there's a lot of tugging on the heartstrings, I suspect. There are. Um, originally, when I was in college, I wanted to be a social worker. Mm. And I have found that public defense work is a great combination of <laughs> lawyering and yeah. social work. Yeah. Um, I really feel strongly that if we want to reduce recidivism, then we need to address the issues that are underlying our clients uh, being in our legal system. Absolutely. Like I talked about earlier, trauma, homelessness, right. poverty. Mm -hmm. Like we have just overcriminalized poverty. Right. Uh, and so that is a lot of social work trying to figure out how to address those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I am all about we should better fund our public defender's offices if we are uh, serious about uh, addressing these issues. Right. Um, and if someone could reduce my caseload by half because we have addressed these issues, mm -hmm. I welcome it. Right. Please, of please. Course. Um, I would love to see our office have a social work division mm. uh, with some social workers um, like we had years ago. Um, I would love to see us with an in-house uh, psychologist like we have had years ago. To really so these are things that were cut 
due to budgets, I yes. suspect. Yes. Mm. So if we can be better funded, if we can reallocate money that mm-hmm. we have within our budget mm-hmm. to allow for these types of positions, um, then that would best serve our clients. And if we can reduce the recidivism, right. that serves our community. Absolutely. Um, we really are part of uh, community safety. Um, you really want to have good public defenders. Yeah. You want to have skilled public defenders. You want to have experienced public defenders because do you know what happens if you have a really lousy attorney who defends somebody at a very serious crime? Do you want to know what happens? I do. Yeah. Well, they may get convicted at the trial level, but the appellate court mm-hmm. may reverse that conviction and send them back for a new trial saying that their attorney was ineffective in representing them. And then now you're trying to retry a case with stale evidence, mm. which the state doesn't want to do. You're having to try that case again twice at taxpayer dollars, which taxpayers don't want you to do. Right. And then you don't have closure to the witnesses or victims' families. Right. So if you really want to have community safety, uh, we need to better fund our public defender's offices. Uh, we are currently running at a staff shortage attorney-wise of nine attorneys. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's hard to recruit people. Yeah. It's hard to say, hey, why don't you come work for our office? You're going to work, I don't know, 60, 70 hours a week coming out of law school. We're going to pay you peanuts. <laughs> You're going to have to go into our jails, which mm. are, um, you know, not fun, fun places to be. Not the best places that you would not want the to yacht spend. Club. Not the yacht club. No, <laughs> not the yacht club. Um, and so, or the non yacht club. Right. The yeah. Atlas Club. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And or or you can work from home for an insurance defense firm right. making more money and uh, being in your pajamas all day. Yeah, it's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah. But but if you work for our office, you get to have that satisfaction of uh, serving your community, mm-hmm. doing it for a number of years, getting your trial experience, mm-hmm. um, also partaking in uh, perhaps loan forgiveness. Uh, <laughs> That'd be nice. to talk about that. Um, but but you do have a sense of um, really putting what you learned in law school, which is the pure lawyering into practice quickly without having to worry about the other practical implications like billing hours mm-hmm. and billing clients. Um, it is a wonderful office to work for. Uh, like I said, I've been there for you know over 15 years. We have a number of attorneys with our office who have been there a long time. Um, and people want to keep returning because of the work that we do and because it is meaningful. Uh, because we feel like you can make a difference in one person's life mm-hmm. and change that person's life for the better. Remember years ago, I tried a robbery case uh, with a gentleman. Uh, I can still remember it. it was 2009. And um, he was accused of uh, robbing and stealing a woman's purse. And um, we took the case all the way to trial. And he was acquitted at trial. Um it was a case of misidentification, mm-hmm. um, and actually, my father wound up helping me with it as well. Even though my dad does not practice criminal law, my <laughs> my father assisted with um, a review hearing that he had with the Florida Parole Commission, Florida Commission on Offender Relief, because he was on supervised release at the time of this charge oh. from a charge that occurred many, 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 many years ago. Mm. 
So my dad represented him. He was found not in violation. So he was finally released from jail after having spent an inordinate amount of time in jail. Well, flash forward about a year and a half later, I was shopping in Marshalls in Lakeland, and I was looking through the racks, and I ran into him, and I ran into his wife, and I ran into his children. And he gave me the biggest bear hug you can imagine and thanked me for changing his life. Yeah. And those are the reasons why we do what we do. Uh, it really is to try to make a difference. And uh, as you can probably tell, I am the eternal optimist <laughs> and the idealist. But but that's what keeps me going every day yeah. and getting up and dealing with well, I was about to say, if you didn't have that, uh, you'd probably be not as good of a lawyer for that for those clients. And, and really for me, I mean, that is by no means every case. Right. But I can find something in every client's case that I try mm-hmm. that gets me excited, mm-hmm. that gets me passionate about something in that case, whether it is an unreasonable search, whether it is um, something that a witness said, whether mm-hmm. it's um, something maybe my client has no criminal record, um, something about that particular case to to litigate or get excited about or negotiate with the state to try to get the best possible plea negotiation mm-hmm. that we can. Uh, if I look at a case and I see that that person may be factually guilty and he may also be legally guilty, meaning the state could prove it beyond mm-hmm. a reasonable doubt, and I don't have any type of reasonable defense to argue, then that's a case that I go to the state and I really try to negotiate on his behalf to get that best possible outcome. Right. You know, we find at the public defender's office the best way to try to get negotiations is by having good working relationships with prosecutors who we work with every day in the courtroom, but also by setting cases for trial. Um, It keeps the system honest. You know, only about 97 to 98% of um, cases actually settle. So only 2 to 3% of cases actually go to trial. Oh, wow. Um, And by setting cases for trial... It keeps the system honest. You know, our right. clients are entitled to have a trial. Right. Um, and, you know, last year in 2022, uh, we had approximately 750 cases that were scheduled for jury trials just here in Polk County on behalf of our office alone. Wow. So start thinking about that, about how hard we're working, about how we individualize every case that we do and make clients our priority. I'm all about being client centered and trying to help them out the best possible way for that particular case. Right. So if I can leave people with just one final thought about the public defender's office, how do we defend all those criminals? <laughs> That's not what we do. We make sure that the laws and the rules apply equally to everyone, right. regardless of that person's race, ethnicity, uh, financial status. Uh, we are also the check on government overreach. We are the quality control division of law enforcement. We are a part of that community safety function. Um, So by defending the rights of the accused, we preserve the rights of all of us. Well, thank you, Blair. That's a perfect way to end the show. And I really appreciate all that you do. And all of the other assistant public defenders that are in your office, please tell them thank you on all of our behalfs. And uh, hopefully you guys will join us next Tuesday for uh, our show. And Until then, have a great week, everyone. 